This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 383. And you're listening to The Daniel Glass Show, only on Drummer's Resource. This is it, right here. Uh-huh. Then you gotta add some with the little tricks. Ah, ah, you'll be swinging. Uh-huh. Right. It's The Daniel Glass Show on Drummer's Resource, offering a deeper look into Daniel's unique take on music, drumming, and life. Philosophy, motivation, musical deconstructions, and conversations with influential voices in the music industry. Hey everybody, Daniel Glass here. I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Daniel Glass Show here on Drummer's Resource. And uh, I've actually been away for a few weeks, took a bit of a hiatus from doing the show. I was in South America Um Santiago, Chile, and down farther south in uh, the southern part of Argentina, an area called Bariloche, which was really beautiful. It's part of what's called Patagonia, and uh, incredible uh, different kind of landscapes, mountain lakes, deserts. Uh, just it was it was like being in the Alps and then being in Arizona, kind of back to back. Kind of an amazing place to be. And did some great gigs with uh, the fantastic Gunhilde Carling from Sweden. Um, so that was fun. And uh, now I'm back. And before we get too much farther into this podcast again, I just want to announce that coming up in May, uh, sorry, in June of this year, 2018, is the third annual Daniel Glass uh, New York Jazz Intensive. We still have a few spots left, and I'm happy to announce that our special guest um, instructor this year is going to be the great legendary Carl Allen. I hope to have Carl on the program here in the next couple of weeks so you can get more of a sense of what he's about. But he's uh, back when I was a student in 1991 at the Dick Grove School of Music in LA. He was, he came as a guest instructor, blew my mind then. I've become friends with him over the years and uh, he's uh, really uh, an amazing force, not only as a jazz drummer coming up with all the, you know, Young Lions era cats in the 80s and 90s, played with uh, Freddie Hubbard most famously. But um, but Carl is also an amazing, amazing educator. So um, we're really happy to have him on board with this year's Daniel Glass New York Jazz Intensive. If you want to find out more about that, just go to danielglass.com forward slash um, clinics and intensives or go to the clinic uh, the clinics and intensives tab in the main menu. All right, so with that business out of the way, I want to get on to the business of what we're talking about today. And what we are talking about today is kind of a follow-up to uh, an earlier session that I did last November. Um, it was session 332 here on Drummer's Resource, and it was called The Importance of Form. And what I endeavored to do was to sort of lay out why it's important to think about, um, you know, how what we do when we sit down behind a drum set and I did that in a variety of ways in terms of how you're sitting and um, getting some sounds and thinking about speaking and being articulate behind the drums uh, you know as opposed to just jumping in and bashing away now there's nothing wrong with jumping in and bashing away that certainly uh, we don't want to take the fun out of drumming but particularly if you're really interested in you know people bandy about this term taking it to the next level. Everybody sort of promises, oh yeah, you know, this is going to take you to the next level. And those words are thrown around rather callously and they've kind of lost their meaning. But when it comes to what it's all about in terms of getting to the next level, really um, taking your playing, whatever instrument you may play, uh, you know, to 
a place where you sound notably different and where you are speaking in a much clearer way and your time feel is better and your sound is better and all of these things, then it's incumbent upon us to spend some time examining form. So you can go back and check out that podcast again. It's, uh, I think, number 322, and it was uh, released back in November 22nd of 2017. Uh, Drummer's Resource Show number 322. So as sort of a subset of that today, I want to specifically dig into the concept of grip. And of course, grip is an incredibly important part of what we do as drummers. Uh, grip implies you know, how and where we are holding the sticks. And um, although it sort of may seem like when you watch a great drummer, well, no big deal, or when you're starting out, yeah, just pick up the sticks and start playing. Um, obviously, there's a lot to it. Historically, you know, these grips, you know, the way that we learn grip, the history and tradition of sort of the three primary grips uh, is not something that just happened yesterday. It's something that has been in the makings for literally hundreds of years. And so I think, you know, unfortunately, a lot of drummers today skip that part, right? You know, they, they go watch something on YouTube, they get a drum set, uh, they, take, they, they go to lessons, and the first thing they do is just pick up the sticks kind of any old way, and maybe the teacher shows them a little bit about this or that, but almost immediately, the first thing that we want to do is start playing grooves, right? We're on a drum set. Well, I want to use all four limbs. So, you know, okay, I can hold the sticks. I can get my way around. I can bash on things. Great. And while that is cool because it gets us up and running and gets us underway, uh, as drummers, I think not enough emphasis is is talked about in terms of grip itself, what that means, what it literally means, the term, why it's important, how it applies uh, in, you know, the three main grips. Maybe a lot of listeners out there don't even know what the three main grips are. Maybe a lot of you have heard of the three main grips, but you're not really sure what, you know, exactly what they are, or how they're supposed to be used. So what I'd like to do today is kind of unpack, as it were, um, some of this information, at least as I've learned it, studied it, written about it, uh, and taught it. Um, you know, and I've taught hundreds of students now. Um, I learned from some great teachers, Freddie Gruber, uh, Bruce Becker, Steve Houghton, uh, Bob Gulati. And um, so, you know, over time, you begin to see that there are a lot of commonalities. I've hung out with people like Dom Famularo, Steve Smith, um, they're friends of mine. We talk a lot about these subjects. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, I'll just start by saying that grip is a, there is no absolutes when it comes to talking about grip. And I think this is a, people get into fights. Well, no, your fingers got to be there and your hands got to be there. And this, you know, you have to do it this way. And there are, there are different schools of, of, of grip, you know, that have come down. Uh, Dom Famularo has, has his, uh, you know, Dom's, Dom's tree of influence, and he traces back, um, you know, all of his influences to three primary drummer educators, and th th those would be Sanford Moeller, uh, Billy Gladstone, and George Lawrence Stone. And from those three, you can trace many, many other famous uh, drummer teachers that have come down over the years, um, you know, including uh, people like Joe Morello and uh, a lot of other a lot of other great educators. So you can actually find that graphic on Dom's website, and it's cool because it's important that we understand, like I said earlier, that there is a history to this. It's not just something for fun and games. There's a reason why all these grips were designed the way they were, and there's a reason why 
you know, uh, even if we are drum set players, that they, it behooves us to understand them better, learn them, and be able to use them consistently, okay? Um, I think one of the biggest problems with, with grip in general, if drummers don't know grip, is that the way that they hold the sticks, they're not really sure about what's involved, and they end up kind of having 50 different grips that use 50 different, you know, fulcrums and balance points and everything else, and they sort of squeeze or hold the stick this way or twist or bend that way when they're going to play this style or that style, and then they squeeze and bend and twist another way when they're going to play at, say, a faster tempo versus a slower tempo, or when they're going to play loud as opposed to soft. And there's no kind of consistent understanding or awareness of, of the fact that if you consistently hold a, a stick in a grip the same way no matter what you do, um, you know, I always like to say a grip is a grip is a grip, uh, then, then that will give you a clearer voice when you're trying to get your ideas out as a drummer. So um, I'm going to dig into that in a, in a little bit. But the first thing is uh, I, I want to talk about the concept of, of grip itself. And, and let's begin with the actual word grip. I don't really like this word because what it implies in a way is that we are supposed to hold the sticks like clubs. You know, we, we're supposed to grip them, clutch them, wrap our entire hand around them. And it, 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 it implies a very kind of uh, brutish uh, caveman-like approach. And then, of course, you know, when you see drummers play, drummers are, you know, moving, gesticulating, lots of energy. And so we get some idea that if we clutch the stick and, you know, make these sort of very big bombastic movements that we see, you know, drummers do, um, then that's what it's all about. And in reality, it's actually the opposite. Um, you know, I was trying to think of a, of a really good analogy uh, you know, for, for other activities that we might do. But really, it comes down to if you study martial arts, if you study, uh, if, you, if you're an athlete, um, if, you, um, if you are a dancer, uh, even, you know, in regular everyday activities like walking or uh, eating or writing, you know, we, we develop a very, very refined sense of these activities and how we hold the instruments that we use to create the activity, um, so that what we are doing is is actually minimizing the amount of us that is involved with the implement or the way that we move our body in order to make whatever happen that we want to happen happen. Right. So uh, it's it's the same when we hold or grip a drumstick. Is that the it's, it's not a tight grip, and the goal is to have as little of us on the stick as possible, yet still be able to hold on to it, not let it go, and get it to do what we want. And this, you know, because drumming is a very physical activity, this may not always be the easiest thing to do. If, we, if we're playing loud music or fast music, our tendency is going to want to tense up and overgrip that stick. Uh, which then means that we're not going to be able to necessarily get it to do what we want. And a lot of drummers, you know, as I talked about in the previous podcast, they, they played for years and yet they can only get to a certain level of speed or they can't do certain things they see other drummers doing and they're very frustrated. Oh, I practice for hours and hours and hours and, you know, I've been playing for years and, and, and I try these things. And so we have to, you know, very consciously 
kind of, this is what I do with my students and really what I learned from Freddie Gruber initially when I started studying with him is that the way, again, to practice grip and to understand grip is to strip things away and to, and to start with very, very simple movements or very simple exercises because that's the way to truly begin to redefine. You know, again, going back to this analogy of, um, you know, taking it to the next level, taking it to the next level is usually about refining details in what you're doing. So, um, you know, what's interesting is a lot of drummers, when they talk about grip, uh, particularly the German grip where your hand is on top of the stick, they say, well, a good analogy is to imagine that you're picking up a baby bird. And if you're picking up a baby bird, you obviously don't want to squeeze the the hell out of it because you're probably going to squeeze it to death. Uh, So you must allow the stick to, um, to, to be held without you being all over it. Now, the, the flip side of this, where a lot of drummers go, that's also, a, 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 you know, leads them down a, a dark pathway, is that they think that then you got to be real loosey-goosey about it and hold the stick way out of your hand and not really clarify these points about where you're holding it or how you're moving uh, your hands with the stick. Uh, and that is, of course, just as, as fatal a mistake as clutching it too hard. So, Yes, it needs to be a loose grip, but we need to be absolutely 100% clear about what it is that we are doing when it comes to grip. So let's also take a step back. And um, so, you know, like I said, to, to, to put this in kind of a macro sense, there are essentially key connection points with each grip that we must be aware of. And I will talk about these in the context of each grip because we'll get a little bit into each grip as we move on with this with this podcast. Uh, the but the two sort of key elements that we have to think about with each grip is number one the grip itself. In other words, how are we actually holding the stick? You know, at what point in the hand do we make contact with the stick? And once we do establish that, then as I said before, a grip is a grip is a grip. We're not really going to let go. Now, in addition to the grip component for each of the three primary grips, which, which, we, which we can say now are French, German, and traditional, and there's also the American grip, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, in addition to the grip component, how we're actually holding the stick, there's also what you might describe as a fulcrum component or a balance point. And again, this is a word that gets bandied about a lot, um, and it's, you know, a lot of people define it in a lot of different ways. And so, for the purposes of this podcast, we might just think of a seesaw, uh, but if you imagine an unbalanced seesaw where one side is maybe a little heavier than the other, how can we find the, the center point on which to set that seesaw so that both sides will are easy, you know, that, that, that it's balanced on both sides. And that, you know, since a stick isn't, it, one side is heavier on a drumstick, we, we have this same idea of fulcrum or balance points. It's a stick that the, a point that the stick might work itself over. Um, we also have for each grip what we might consider to be called hinge points. And these, rather than the stick itself moving, these are the, the parts of the body that are going to move that sort of control the stick within that grip. And of course, those are different for each of the three grips. So grip components, fulcrum components, 
and hinge components. And, you know, there might other teachers who've come from other traditions might have other names for these things, but in general, this is sort of what's, what's going on. And again, we could expand this out and get into a much, much deeper discussion, but I'm going to try to stay focused on the concept of grip. So actually how we're holding the stick rather than getting too much into, you know, how we play. Um, but that might, you know, might address those things in later, later episodes of this podcast. So the, the goal then is if we can clearly establish how we're holding the stick, what the balance point is, and how we're moving, then we can get the stick to work for us. And this is a real strong point that I made in the, um, in that importance of form podcast. And, uh, you know, sort of a, a piece of conventional wisdom that I've always heard that I really like to share is that, you know, people say, well, how should you hold the sticks? And how should you do this? And how should you do that? And the answer is, regardless of whatever particular technique you might use, if you are able to produce musically what it is that you want, and you're able to do it in a way that doesn't hurt your body, then everything is fair game. So, you know, while again, that's kind of an easy statement to make, um, it's a much harder thing to, to, to do, you know, and I think, again, a lot of the reason what the thing, the, the reason why we get stuck or stopped up in our inability to play faster, to play smoother, to, to play rudiments with more fluidity, to get around the drums more easily, is, you know, these are often questions of, of grip. So if we manage to connect the key points on the stick, those balance points, with the key points in our hand, which are the grip component and the fulcrum component, then we're getting the stick to do the max for us. We, we can get a clear, consistent, and therefore articulate sound. And as I mention over and over to my students, and I mention over and over again uh, whenever I'm talking to people about this subject, clarity, consistency, those two things, if you have clarity in your grip, clarity in the way you're striking, clarity in the way you're moving from place to place, and intention, you've thought this through and you're moving not just in a random way but with clarity, and you do it consistently, meaning that every time you strike the drum, every time you go here, every time you go there, it's the same way. All these things are going to lead to articulate sound, an articulate sound, meaning, and this, this bears out, that when you speak behind, from the drums, that what you say can be understood. So, you know, again, I'll, I'll quickly use this, this analogy because I think it, it's, it's a great way to think about things. You know, think about a guy like Steve Gadd. When he plays, he doesn't necessarily play extremely complex things all the time. He doesn't beat you over the head. But when he plays, it's sort of like, you know, simply with the power of his groove, he's able to get you know, people to, to say to their friend, oh, hold on a second. Yeah, let's talk about that later. I'm going to focus all my attention on this guy right now, on this thing that's happening. And, you know, it is very powerful what he's saying, and it's very clear what he is saying. Steve Gadd, you know, gets hired to play with Chick Corea, play very fancy stuff, but he also gets hired to play very simple, basic groove stuff. And a lot of the greatest tracks that he's been on, you wouldn't even know it was him. But the reason he gets hired to play those simple beats that all of us can play is because when he plays those beats, there is incredible articulation to what is going on. So, you know, someone like Steve Gadd has spent a lot of time working on hand technique. He came up through, you know, playing military drums. He was in the, in the U.S. Army band. 
um, he's thought a lot about all of these issues. And so you can hear that translates. And that's why he gets hired for, to play simple beats, and the rest of us don't get hired to play simple beats, right? So, you know, it's kind of an analogy I'm going for here as to why it's important as to how we hold a drumstick. And again, it might bear repeating. I, I use this analogy, and you should try this at home with on your own pad. But if you have a practice pad and a stick, try um, striking the practice pad with a closed hand, a tight fist around the stick, and hear the sound that you get. And the sound will be one that is very tight and very thin and very muted. And then try to open your hand and, and strike the pad as well. And what I might add is, and I did talk about this in the Importance of Form podcast, put your pad just on a snare stand. Don't put it on a drum. Don't put it on a table. Put it on a snare stand with the, with the basket wound up so it's just nicely around it, not totally gripping it, squeezing it too tight. And strike that, and you'll notice a difference if your hand is totally squeezing the stick or if your hand is kind of more loosely on the stick. The stick sounds different. And I think it, you know, again, we're talking about getting the stick to uh, do the work for us. Uh, sticks, you know, are designed in in the world today amazingly. And, and we, should, we should talk about this because when I was a kid, um, you know, we would go to the drum shop and buy drumsticks. And, f- and first of all, they wouldn't have like a nice cardboard sleeve around each pair of sticks. Maybe around the 80s, they would sort of seal them in plastic bags. But generally, there was a bin of, say, 5A sticks. And what you would have to do at the music store, and some of the, some of the guys in my generation or older know this and will remember this clearly, you'd have to get the sticks out and you'd have to roll them along the counter uh, to pull out the ones that were warped, that rolled, there was like a banana, wrong, 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 you know, because the quality control in making sticks back in the day wasn't so hot. And so uh, then the next thing you would do is you would, you know, if you were really into it, uh, you would try to find a matched pair of straight sticks. So what one way to do this, and I'll do this right now, and hopefully this will translate on the mic, is that um, let's, let's say I've got a pair of Vic Fur sticks. I'm going to hold the stick very lightly around the flag, which is sort of what they call the nodal point of the stick, which might be the part of the stick that sits on that fulcrum. It might be that balance point. And I'm just going to tap the stick. If you hold it very loose, you can hear a tone. Ha, ha, ha. Right? Now I'm going to pick up the other stick, and I'm going to do the same thing. Now, that's pretty cool because those two tones match each other really well. This is essentially a balanced pair of sticks. And one of the great things about living in the world that we live in today, it really is a golden age of drum manufacturing and of uh, quality control because now with with computer technology, um, you know, and I, I can't speak for other drum companies, but I can certainly speak for Vic Firth, who I endorse and I love their product not only because of their variety and how great they feel, but because the way they're designed. And every pair you get of Vic Firth, they got the cardboard sleeve, and they have been matched to be a matching pair of sticks. So the reason I say all this is that you know. It's easier than ever these days to be able to let the gear and, you know, let the sticks do our job for us. Uh, and so that we can use things like grip and the way we set up and strike the drum to get out of the way and allow the drums and the sticks to sing, to sing. And, you know, 
a good friend of mine who I've had on this program, Henrique de Almeida, he and I have had, he's a professor up at Berkeley. He's a fantastic drummer, has really incredible, um, not only chops, but has, has really studied a lot, has played a lot. And uh, in fact, uh, yeah, he's interviewed on this podcast. Um, I don't remember the episode, but Henrique de Almeida, he's from Brazil originally, but um, he's been up at Berkeley now for quite a few years. He, um, he talked about, in studying with Jim Chapin, who of course is one of the great teachers, Jim Chapin was a student of Sanford Moeller, um, and and you know was a was a, a great fanatic of the Moeller technique and and all these things. Uh, Jim Chapin, we used to talk about that the sticks would actually make a sound when you played on the pad, if your grip was in the you know really right there. You you just were covering and holding the sticks enough to control them, but otherwise the stick really, that tone that we heard would be, you could hear it while you were practicing on the pad. And, you know, that's something that, again, is, is something we should strive for and we should listen for. And again, that's why it makes sense when you're working on your grips to do it on a practice pad, just a practice pad on a snare drum stand, because you will hear things that you cannot hear when you're, when you're hitting a drum or a cymbal. It, it's, you know, you, if you just rush right to the drums and cymbals, then you won't know how you're hitting them. You might be hitting them any old way. And if you're hitting them any old way, then you might get a sound out of the drum. You might get the cymbal to ring, the drum to ring, obviously. I mean, but a mon- you know, give a monkey a drumstick, they can get a sound out of it too. It doesn't mean that you're, you're playing with clarity, consistency, and articulation. So that's, a, that's an important uh, point to make. Now, one more general point that I want to make uh, about this idea of grip and fulcrum, these key elements. You might be saying, well, yeah, whatever. I mean, okay, science guy, you know, do your thing. Uh, I'm just going to play the drums, you know, like, why do I need to worry about all these things, grip and fulcrum? And, you know, that's fine if you're into that, but why do I, what does it really matter? You know, and so obviously I've said a lot of the reasons as to why it matters, but think about it this way. Every drummer, whether they think, you know, whether they want to or not, you must create some kind of a grip and some kind of a balance point and some kind of a hinge in order to play. And I would say that most drummers today are doing themselves a disservice because they don't necessarily know what what those are, even know that they're supposed to be thinking about them. They simply think that by holding the stick, that's good enough. And, you know, again, a great Freddie Gruber quote that I like to use a lot comes to, comes to mind. And Freddie used to say all the time, you know, how can you know the difference if you don't know the difference? Meaning, if you're not even, if you don't even know what you're supposed to be doing, how can you do it correctly? So, in essence, that's, that's you know, what we're, what, we're, what we're looking at today. Um, the, you know, and, and, and what I'll also say, uh, one last general point about, about grip is that the purpose of grip is to make it so that your body doesn't, it does what it's supposed to naturally do. And this is kind of a point that blows me away, right? Because um, what I mean by that is, you know, say that, that you, you see somebody walking down the street and they're hunched over and their arms and legs are bent and they're limping, right? You, you know, if that person didn't need to walk that way, why would they, 
right? It's not natural for how they're designed. If they could just straighten up and walk normally, well, they're going to be in better shape. If they hunch over and tense up like that and sort of hobble down the sidewalk, well, probably eventually they're going to start to have pain in their body. So this is an exact analogy for how so many of us play the drums. In other words, we are, you know, when we walk, we do it very naturally. We walk and all the activities we do in life are designed based around the way our body naturally moves. But then we come to the drums and we do all this crazy stuff and bend ourselves into strange positions and add tension and all kinds of stuff. And so, you know, that's, it's just sort of another way to make this, this same kind of a point. Um, a couple examples of this that are very common that I see all the time is, for example, when drummers play in the German grip, uh, the hand over the stick, they will wrap their index finger completely around the stick uh, and they will hold, you know, the stick both the grip and the fulcrum component will be in that wrapped index finger. So maybe they have their other fingers on the stick, but the index finger is wrapped all the way around. And they may, you know, maybe pushing it against the thumb or maybe not. But um, I ask you this, if you stand with your hand at your side and you bend, you know, you wrap, you turn your index finger, the first couple of knuckles and twist it all the way around, does that feel comfortable to you? Is that the way you would normally stand? And the answer, of course, is absolutely not. That's crazy. Uh, because if you stand like that all day, you're eventually going to start hurting in your finger. So, you know, that's one example. Another example is drummers often play in the German grip and they will push their wrists out to the side so that the sticks are parallel to each other. And this is something else that I never quite understood. Um, it, it, why, you know, why would you bend your body in order to make the sticks do something? The idea here is that the sticks are the tool, you are the instrument. So why would you bend or contort yourself into some strange position that is natural? Again, if you stand with your hand at your side, it doesn't, your wrist doesn't push out to the, to the side, you know? Uh, it hangs naturally. So why wouldn't your wrist just be in a natural straight position when you're holding the drumstick. So if your body is in a natural position, if it is moving in a natural way, then the, uh, then the drumsticks will go where they're supposed to go. Even if they don't, you know, but don't bend your body to try to make the sticks do something. Make it the other way around. All right, so I think we're gonna leave it here for this session. Um, we sort of got into the why of the importance of grip. And in the next in the next session, I'm going to get into a little bit more of the how of the importance of grip. So I'm going to talk a little bit about each of the primary grips, like I said, uh, French, German, and traditional, and probably a little bit about American grip as well. And um, maybe we'll talk more specifically about the particulars of each one. What are the fulcrum components, the grip components, uh, the hinge components? And just try to open up your you know minds to this um, a little bit more or dig a little bit deeper than maybe you have before so there's a lot of stuff out on the on the internet about technique about using these grips but very little that actually kind of explains why or where it comes from uh, you know which is always what I'm looking for don't just tell me what I'm supposed to do show me why that's important otherwise how do I know it's important or not is it just you making some stuff up you know what I'm saying and of course, uh, if you're interested in digging in deeper with all of this stuff related to grip, um, feel free to reach out and let's do a Skype lesson. Uh, I've got students now literally all over the world. I've got uh, students in India, Russia, 
uh, New Zealand, Australia, South America, every time zone in the U.S., um, Germany, the U.K., uh, it's 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 really terrific, and especially about when you're working on stuff like Grip and you're on the pad, Skype is a really terrific um, platform on which to to tackle that. So, you know, don't let distance stop you if you're really interested in in digging into these deeper issues about Grip. Uh, we have a great time, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and so, with that, I will leave you for today. Uh, to return next time. Again, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach out. You can reach me through danielglass.com, my website. You can uh, reach out on my Facebook page, Daniel Glass Drummer, Author, Educator, or here on Drummer's Resource. Uh, you can leave a comment in the comment section on the, on the podcast itself. And until next time, until we address the how of the importance of form, this is Daniel Glass signing off from the Daniel Glass Show on Drummer's Resource. Have a good one. We'll see you next time around.